Well, um, we have been in here. We're right in the middle of what we're calling Serve Month, right? And if you remember that, good, a few of you. Last week, we talked about serving the body, right? Next, we're going to be talking about serving uh, the world, right? World missions. This week, we're going to be focusing on serving the community. We're going to be focusing on some of our ministries that reach out to the community. Now, when we say serve the community in our vision statement, we, we mean that in the broadest use of that term possible, right? Because we mean this community here, the body of Christ, and the Lancaster community, and the whole world, right? Uh, so when we say love, grow, and, and then serve, serve God and serve the community, we mean it in a broad sense. But this morning, we're going to look at that in a little bit more of a narrow sense, right? So when we say serve the community this morning, we mean the Lancaster community, like everyone that we could touch or who could come in contact with us because we live here in Lancaster and we don't live in Philadelphia and we don't live in Harrisburg, you know, or Reading or something like that. Those that we can touch, the Lancaster community, serve the community. Now, in some places, in other states, the, uh, their motto, the Christian motto, seems to be us for and no more. Have you ever encountered anyone like that? Okay, some of you have, right? I mean, I mean there's nobody here like that. Right? But there are some people in other states who have that kind of a mentality. Us for no more. They've got their church the way they like it, and they don't want anyone coming in from the outside and messing with that, or messing things up, right? And uh, there's not much room to be concerned with anything going on outside of their group. It's what we call the chosen frozen. <laughs> These are people in congregations with small hearts very inward-focused and self-focused, right? And they're, they're groups that are dying, both numerically and spiritually. Because when a congregation gets that way, that's what happens. You die. And if you think that people like this don't exist, just listen to the words of this song that used to be sung in some church. Not a lot, thank God. But this was an actual song that was written that some people sang. And it went like this. We are the pure and chosen few. Let all the rest be damned. There's room enough in hell for you. We'll not have heaven cramped. Is that awful or what? Oh my goodness. Can, can you think of anything that any Christ, professing Christian has ever said anywhere that is so diametrically opposed to the idea that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. I mean, can you think of any expression that is so opposite of Jesus' last words before being taken up to heaven when he said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, preach the gospel to everyone, everywhere. Well, our Heavenly Father has a big heart. You know, and it is true that there's a real hell to be avoided, right? I mean, I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't tell you that. The scriptures describe this, this real hell of a place of torment to be avoided. But it also describes God as a God with a big heart who doesn't want anyone to go there. He wants everyone to come to repentance and new life in Jesus Christ, to experience God's grace and God's goodness and God's forgiveness. And I think maybe this other song better describes the heart of God. Maybe you know it. Maybe you can sing it with me. It goes like this. There's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room. 
Yes, there's room at the cross for you. That's God's heart. It's a big heart. It's a heart that serves. And uh, um, as we serve the community, we are expressing the heart of God, expressing the big heart of God. So I want to spend our time this morning just showing you three quick things from the Bible about serving. The first is that Jesus served us. The second is that he expected the apostles to serve their communities. And then the third is we must serve our communities as well. All right. Jesus was a servant. Did you know that? Sometimes it's hard to get our mind around that, right? Because, I mean, Jesus, after all, he's the king of kings and lord of lords, right? He's alpha and omega, the beginning and, and the end. He's before all things and above all things. And in him, all things hold together. He's mighty God. He's the one who was dead and is alive again and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's... The, He's the one who comes riding on a white horse with eyes of fire and a voice like thunder and who is called faithful and true. And he's the one of whom it is said that he is exalted to the highest place and has a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. He's all that. That's who Jesus is. And it can be hard to get your mind uh, of a being like this being a servant. He's the one who served. I mean, that's hard, right? Because we should serve him. And that's true. We should serve him. But we know from the scriptures, it says Jesus is the eternal son of God, always existed, but he is also a servant. And I want you to see some things about Jesus' existence this morning, right? Think about first his, his pre-incarnate existence, before he became a baby in a manger, right? He had no needs of any kind. He was surrounded by mighty angels who worshipped him and served him. And everything he said was done immediately, without question, and without hesitation. How many of your parents were like one day like that? I mean, that's a pretty good existence. Who would want to leave that? You know, I remember on our 25th anniversary, Jill and I went on a cruise to the Bahamas. I mean, I think it was like the nearest thing in this earth to paradise. And I started feeling like, oh, dear Jesus, if you want to just leave me right here until you come again, that would be okay with me, right? Because when you're in paradise, you don't want to leave, right? Well, Jesus was in paradise. And yet he left that for us. That was his existence before coming to earth. Consider for a minute his existence in the future, in what in what the book of Revelation describes. Angels and multitudes of redeemed people from every nation and tribe and tongue and people group bow down and worship and serve him. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He's loved and served for, for all eternity. But there's this time period in between those two things. It's described in the Gospels that this glorious king leaves the glories of heaven sets aside his kingly robes, lays aside the streets of gold and all the worship of the angels, and becomes a servant. Look at it. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. This is a beautiful passage. He's talking about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Now stop there for a minute. That phrase there, made himself nothing, 
Um, some translations have, he emptied himself. The Greek word there is ekinosin. It means to empty oneself. Uh, it's often used in the sense of divesting oneself from a position that was held. And scholars call this the kenosis passage because of that word. And uh, they debate all that it means that, and to what extent that Jesus emptied himself. But most everyone agrees that he left heaven. He temporarily laid aside his position at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And all of the privileges that came with that, and going on it says this, he emptied himself, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now, pause there for a moment. He emptied himself, set aside his position, became one of us. I mean, still fully God, and, but fully human as well. And, but, but it gets even more amazing than that. He didn't just become human, he became a human servant. He took the nature of what most people view to be the bottom rung on the ladder. And the word here is doulos. It's like a household servant, and sometimes in the Bible, it's even translated as slave. Can you get your mind around that for a minute? Jesus, eternal, self-existent, son of God, as a servant of humans. And what does that mean? I mean, I mean, how do we think about that? Does that mean if Jesus is a servant that, well, he's our servant, he has to just go ahead and do everything that we want all the time? Well, no, that's not the idea, right? So let's look at it. How is Jesus the servant? Well, it goes on and it says this, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. All right, so here's what happened. Uh, here's how this works out and breaks down. Jesus was in a comfortable position with no needs, wants, or desires. And he sees that we have this great need because we can't get to the Father by ourselves in our own righteousness. All of our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags in his sight. We have this, this great need. And Jesus, compelled by love for us, left his comfortable position to put himself in a place where he could meet our needs. And so Jesus, instead of coming here to be king and demanding all the rights of a king, he came as a poor commoner. He loved us. He lived among us. He taught us. He healed us. He put up with us and eventually died at our hands. Just the just for the unjust to bring us to God. He took the very nature of of a servant, serving our great needs. And in so doing, he gives us a definition of what it means to serve the community. Serving the community means to see someone else's need and to leave our comfort zone and meet that need with the love and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Seeing a need, leaving our comfort zone, and meeting that need with the love and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came as a servant. And then the apostles were also servants. You know, if you look at the Gospels, we see Jesus expected his apostles would also have the same attitude that he had. That is to say, the willingness to, to see a need and leave a comfort zone and meet that need with the love and grace of Jesus. Now, I want to tell you right here that this idea is not natural. Right? It is spiritual. It happens because of the Holy Spirit and the newness of life that we have in Christ. It's not natural. We tend naturally to stay in our comfort zones. How many of you know it's easy to sit in your comfort zone? All right, let's be honest. We all, we all feel that way. Right? It's easy to sit in our comfort zones. 
And Jesus' 12 disciples, they're no different. All right, let's look at it. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, beginning in verse 35. Mark 10, beginning in 35. It says this. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do whatever we ask. Now, I love this, right? Because, I mean, this is really immature. We want you to do whatever. I can remember when uh, my, my daughter Melody was young. She would often try this trick on me. Right? Daddy, will you, will you please just agree now to do whatever I'm about to ask you? Right? I don't know how many times she tried that trick on me, and it never worked. Right? I said, no, you've got to tell me first what you want. Oh, please, can't. No, you tell me first what you want, and then you're going to get an answer, right? Well, well, Jesus' disciples were the same way, right? They come to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, can you just give us whatever we're about to ask? You know, and uh, uh, Jesus says, well, what do you want me to do for you? And they replied, let one of us sit on your right and the other at your left in your glory. Now, this is not a servant attitude, right? This is a self-serving attitude. It's a self-aggrandizing attitude, an attitude that says, you know, hey, let's see if we can leverage this relationship with Jesus to our own benefit, right? And Jesus, of course, turns them down, explains that they don't even know what they're asking, and worse yet, the whole affair causes a big argument among the disciples. Verse 41, it says, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with James and John. I mean, in the vernacular, they were ticked off. All right, they were upset with James and John. And really because, I think it's really because they're upset they didn't think to ask Jesus first. Because they all thought that they were the greatest. And so Jesus uh, uh, calls them together, and, and look what he says. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Okay, pause there for a second. The word slave here, same word as in Ephesians, doulos. Uh, as in Philippians, I mean, that we just looked at where Jesus took the very nature of a servant. And, and, and he ends by saying, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for, enemy, for, for, for many. And so he's saying, guys, look at me. Listen, if anyone deserves to be served, I do, right? But instead he says, I'm here as a servant. I left my comfort zone to serve humanity and meet um, the needs that you have, the spiritual needs you have. So he's saying to them, you should be like me. If I serve, you should serve. And as we look at the Gospels, Jesus often had this problem with them. One time on a trip, they were in the back seat, it seems like, just arguing the whole way about who's the greatest. And then another time it says he took a small child and placed him among them and said, unless you become like this child, you're not even going to enter the kingdom of God. And this lasted all the way up until the Last Supper, John chapter 13. And I want you to see this. Jesus knows he's going to the Father soon, and the disciples still don't get this serving thing. Still concerned with ruling and all of that. And so he does something amazing to us, but at the time was really awkward. He gets up, takes his outer robes off, wraps a servant's towel around himself, and he begins to wash their feet. And this wasn't one of those church foot washing services. Have you ever been to one? They announced they're having a church bushwashing service, and then everyone come with the squeakiest clean feet you've ever seen. Perfumed and all of that, right? And, and you're washing someone's feet that's perfumed and, uh, and uh, manicured and all of that. Well, that, this was not that. 
I mean, these guys have been walking around dusty roads and sandals. They were dirty and grimy. It doesn't say it here, but I bet you anything, Peter's feet were the nastiest of all. all right? And probably they all had, you know, some of them had warts and bunions and all that type of stuff. It's nasty, all right? And Jesus does for them what the lowest servant in the household would have been assigned to do. He washes those stinking, disgusting, nasty feet. And we had finished, he said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, but that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. You also should serve. And he goes on, he says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Right? Since I left my comfort zone, right, instead of demanding my rights and demanding I be served, well, you follow my example and do the same thing. See others' need. He goes on, he says, Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. He's saying, guys, you want to be great? Uh, be like me. And he ends, I love in verse 17, he says, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. How many of you want to be blessed? How many of you know that often things in the kingdom are counterintuitive to things in the world, right? Right? Uh, you give to receive and all of that. And this is one of those areas because the world thinks, well, if I want to be blessed, I need to accumulate lots of stuff, right? And get lots of servants and have people serving me, right? But Jesus says the truth is actually opposite of that. When you serve, you are blessed. If you want to be blessed, if you want a blessed life, then, then serve. See a need. Reach out with the grace and love of Jesus. Jesus served humanity, expected his apostles to serve humanity, and then he expects his servants, his disciples, all of his disciples, to reach out to serve the community as well. Do you remember those verses in Philippians earlier? We talked about Jesus taking the very nature of a servant and emptying himself of all of his divine privileges and humbling himself, right? Those in, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. Well, do you know that the, there's a reason that Paul shared that right there? Uh, specific reason and purpose. And I'm going to show it to you. I didn't show it to you earlier because I wanted you to see it right here. It's in the verses right before it, in the context, right? Remember the rule of context? Context rules, right. The rule of context, context rules. So this shows us why he was saying that about Jesus. And it says this. These are the two verses right before it. N you should not be looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So just like he told his apostles, you should be just like me. Here, Paul says, well, all of us also should have the same attitude that Jesus had, the attitude of a servant. Be like Jesus. And this is what so many of you do in your ministries, in the body ministries, in the, in the outreach ministries that we have. You know, uh, uh, sometimes we do this through organized ministry. And sometimes we do this as individuals in our very own daily lives when God just, by the Holy Spirit, says, hey, why don't you meet that need? Or why don't you serve that need? Or why don't, you know, you can, you can bless somebody here, right? Sometimes it's organized. Sometimes it's individual as the Holy Spirit leads us. So at this time, what I want to do is pause for a second and kind of switch gears. And we're going to celebrate. We're going to hear just for a minute um, from some uh, people who are going to represent some of the uh, ministries that we have to the community, some of our organized ministries. We're going to celebrate that together and celebrate the grace and love of the Lord Jesus that, that he is uh, expressing through the body of Christ here, right? And, uh, uh, and they happen, they all happen because people see a need 
leave their comfort zone, and meet that need with the grace and love of Jesus. All right? So um, I'm going to ask right now, uh, first we're going to look at uh, serving the community, um, CityGate. Pastor Mark is going to come, and he's going to share for a minute about kind of what they do and his passion for that ministry. Would you welcome him? All right. All right. Uh, CityGate uh, was formed about 10 years ago downtown. Kim and Brian Zimmerman, it started out as a prayer room, but a lot of different things happen out of that prayer room, and one of the things is they feed the homeless and the disenchanted. They're not all homeless people, people that are just having a rough time. They come for a meal, and we as a church, Mary and I, just felt, because um, we have food ministry, taking a Sunday on where we feed them one Sunday a month. During church time, we use the food as a segue to get to minister the gospel. Isn't that great? That is awesome. So that's what CityGate is. And we also run a ministry that's called Five and Two, was birthed out of the young adults, five loaves and two fishes. Uh, again, using a bag of groceries as a segue, we pray before we leave the church, just lead us to an area of town, anywhere. It can be local, anywhere close to the church or down on Green Street. And we use the groceries, we go knocking on doors, can we pray for you? Would you? First of all, do you need groceries? No, we don't. Do you know somebody that does? Well, so-and-so down the street, but can we pray for your house? Do you have a physical need? So that's what Five and Two and City Gate is, and we go into the community and are the hands and feet of Jesus. So if you want to join us, just approach Mary and I, and we'll get you connected. Amen? Bless you. Amen, amen. And we go next week, next Sunday morning. Next Sunday morning, amen. All right. Amen. We also are excited to have, we have prison ministries, and Larry Wade is coming at this time to talk about those prison ministries and how God's uh, working there. Amen. Welcome, Larry. Yes, God bless you. Um, one of the things that the church has always been doing is, is trying to outreach, trying to go out into the community, and one of these things that I got involved in, and I can't tell you exactly when I started it because I can't remember how far back it was when I actually started going down to the going to the prison. But in Hebrews 13, 1 through 3, it, it exhorts us to, to love one another and then to be hospitable to those that are strangers. And the last thing it talks about is remember those who are in prison. And as you go in and, and, and you minister to them, act as though you are one of them. You know, experiencing what they experience. And to tell you the truth, when we go in the prison, it's Dan Kreider and, and Jane Connors, and several others in the, in the, the, the uh, congregation who have, have helped us with the prison ministry. Uh, primarily, when, when we go in there, we feel more blessed by them than us bringing the blessing to those because the, truly they are looking for the answers. Most of them are seeking God. Uh, some of them may be a foxhole type of, of uh, religion kind of approach, but most of them, I guarantee you, are really looking for the Lord. So we really appreciate and thank the pastor and the church for allowing us to go into the prison on a regular basis and ministering to those that are incarcerated because they need to hear the word of God. They need to see the, and feel the, the presence of the spirit of God. And that's what we feel we're doing. Thank you very much. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. So if you're interested in that, see Larry now. Um, if you're interested in CityGate, you can just see Pastor Mark and show up. If you're interested in prison ministry, please don't just show up at the prison. Amen. Because that won't go well. Uh, hey, I'm here to see the, you know, 
Um, but, but, Pat, but Larry can um, get you hooked up with what you need to do um, so you can do that the right way. Amen. Well, um, also then next we are having uh, Pam, different is coming to talk about the Water Street mission. Uh, would you record, uh, welcome Pam. And well, Larry could have really done this, but Larry was already doing prison ministry, but Larry's the one who heads it up. And I am just so blessed. Uh, for years, I have had a passion for the mission. I always say my bucket list, one of the things on my bucket list is to volunteer at the mission when I'm no longer cleaning houses and I was no longer teaching. So anyway, that still lies ahead. But it is just such an amazing experience. We go in there the second Monday of every month at 7 o'clock in the evening. We only have an hour. So within that hour, we do some music, some worship. We do uh, preaching of the word, um, just sharing with the people, sometimes testimonies. We are desperately wanting more volunteers because there's always a lot of people down there. Right now, our team has just had a mini explosion because the last time we went in, which was this past Monday, we actually have three new team members join us, two of whom were men, which is extremely important because there's usually more men than women in there. And honestly, all you have to do is have a willingness to listen, and to pray with somebody. It's not a big, like, be in front of people, all that kind of stuff. There are people who are in front of people, but you don't have to be that. All you have to do is care about people. And I just want to say we are so blessed in Lancaster County. The mission that we have, I think, having heard from different people who have been at different missions, ours <coughs> is like the best. They care about the whole person. It's not just about putting a roof over their head. It's about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and then leading, guiding, directing, walking right along beside them and stuff. So it's something that I obviously am passionate about, and we would love to have you join us. So if anybody feels a tug on their heart, even if you just want to come along the first time and sit and watch and observe and not have to do anything except be there, it would still be at least a step in the right direction. So just come see Larry, Vicki, me, Zoe's on the team, Crystal's on the team. There's a number of us, but we still need you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Now, um, something else that I'm kind of excited about, and I've been kind of, I've been becoming more aware of that's kind of been happening and then beginning to happen uh, more is something that we're calling off-campus Bible studies. And uh, these are kind of Bible studies where people just gather people, and who knows, they might already be Christians, they might not, they might, uh, and, and so, uh, and it's kind of a really cool outreach thing, and uh, um, Vicki's been running two of these, so she's going to come and uh, tell you kind of about that um, as well. Would you welcome Vicki? My heart's desire is to see people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and then beyond that to grow in their knowledge of the Lord. And he is so personal to me, and I love him so very much, that I want everyone to experience the freedom that there is there, there for them. So through uh, answered prayer, God led me to CityGate and to the Lancaster YWCA. And at the CityGate, the whole purpose is to teach the word of God mm. to men, women, I mean, at Y, it's women, but at CityGate, anyone who can walk in that door, I, I want them to hear the word of God yeah. because 
you know, we can give them a meal and they're going to get hungry again. But if we give them life eternal, if we give them the hope of glory, then they're going to have a, they're going to have something that's going to last them beyond having an empty belly. They're going to have something that's real. And so this is my heart's desire. And my heart's desire also is to continue to take this ministry to other places. So I am looking for more doors to walk through to teach people about the Word of God. Amen. 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 Thank you, Vicki. And, um, and I just wanted to share a little bit, too, about um, some of our outreach events that we do. Um, how many of you have noticed we have some outreach events? Right? Our, our Back to School Bash. The Harvest Festival, and we, we've talked about doing some others as well, and uh, that's the place where we just say, you know what, the community has a need and has an interest, and we're going to meet that need, and, uh, and they come here, and uh, when, um, when, when they have that backpack outreach, um, they come in, and we have all sorts of games for them, but before they get to the games, um, they go through with a, a bunch of our workers and, and meet with somebody, and someone shares the gospel with them the love of the Lord Jesus, and then prays with them for their school year before they hit the backpack and, uh, and then go over and they play games and they, when the things they win are the, the, the stuff for their backpack for the school year. It's really kind of cool and awesome. And then uh, also the, uh, the, the Harvest Fest where they come in. I know a lot of them because it's Halloween and all of that type of thing. But when they come in here, uh, we stop all the games, bring them in here in this room and have what we call a halftime. And we share the gospel, the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with them and give them an opportunity to receive Jesus as their Savior. That's what our outreach events are, are, are like, is so that we can just uh, see a need and reach it and share the gospel and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, and that's what all of our outreach ministries are about. And really, that's at least in part what all of our ministries are about. How many of you know that... God expects all of us to reach out to the community. I mean, it might mean that you're in a Sunday school class, but, but someone comes in who's part of the community, and, and, and you share the gospel with them, the grace of God with them. It may mean that you're just a, a, a greeter or a connect person, and you give a smile and a handshake and make somebody feel like they are loved and welcome. You're serving the community. You're not just shoving a bulletin at them and saying, well, I hope you find your way or something like that, right? You're serving the community, right? It could be in a child's class, in an adult class, in whatever ministry you're in, God expects us all to serve the community. And so what we're going to do in a minute is we're going to do just like last week. We're going to have a prayer uh, tunnel, and the worship team can come at this time and get ready for that. And, uh, but I'm wondering what God might be challenging all of us with today in the area of service. You know, is there something in the personal realm you know, that God wants you to be more, more open to uh, in the um, between Sundays and between Wednesdays uh, kind of uh, uh, service. You know, is there some ministry that maybe God has spoken to you this morning about being a part of? You know, CityGate, Prison Ministries, Water Street Mission. Uh, maybe I've been praying about this, and I'm just kind of wondering if there might be some people you've been wondering, God, how can I, in my context, start maybe a Bible study? You know, and, uh, and but you haven't known how to do that. And I'd encourage you afterwards, talk with Vicki, you know, or Arlene. She's done it before. Diane's done it before. Talk with somebody who's done it. Say, how do you do that? You know, and maybe even go along and see how they're doing it. And see if God, wouldn't it be awesome if instead of two or three 
um, Bible style, campus Bible studies. You know, come the end of the year, we had five or six or seven, you know, going on, and people were, were reaching people for Jesus that way. Wouldn't that be awesome? Amen. So uh, um, I'm going to ask if you would all stand with me right now. I'm going to ask the um, uh, deacons and deaconesses if you'd come right down here and form that tunnel that you did uh, um, last week, except if you're involved in an outreach ministry, hold on just a second. You're going to be the first to go through the tunnel. All right, and then uh, I'm going to ask anyone, as we start singing, who's involved in any way in our outreach ministries, we want to bless you today and pray over you and pray God's anointing over you. So as we begin to sing, we're going to ask that you make your way to the center aisle and down here and let the pastors and deacons and deaconesses pray over you. And then, following that, if you're just thinking about, or, or maybe you have this desire, God, use me a little bit more to reach my community, you can file in after that as well, and we will uh, we'll pray over you and lay hands on you as well in the name of Jesus.